and look down into about verse 33, Matthew chapter 12, look down about verse number 33. And I do appreciate you taking uh, time out of your busy week to make sure that you are attending our online services and getting the encouragement from God's Word that you're going to need as we go throughout the rest of this week. And none of us know what the morrow is going to bring, uh, but God does. And how often in my life have I found that on Wednesday night service, God had given me something uh, for what I was going to need on Thursday or Friday. And it's always good to see God's people tuning in. And I just want to encourage you to remain faithful as we begin the transition back in the building. And I just have to say the services have been wonderful. The Spirit has been great in our 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock Sunday morning services. And uh, we had one saved this past Sunday morning. And the Lord's blessed us, I believe, with visitors every service since we've been back in the building. And I hope that we as the people of God will take full advantage of the opportunity of soft hearts right now. People have soft hearts. They're curious about what's going on in our world. And they're looking for something stable. And and they're looking for something sure. And we have that to offer that solid ground beneath the foot of the cross. And so let's be soul conscious throughout all of this. I was telling Brother Jim Carney just the other day that we've got a couple of new track designs we're about to come out with. I'm very excited about uh, that I believe are going to give hope, uh, hope through Christ. And our church is going to have the opportunity to offer that to the city that the Lord's called us to. Matthew chapter number 12, look down to verse number 33. The Bible says, either make the tree good, now notice these are red letters, this is Jesus speaking, and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by his fruit. O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. A good man, out of the good measure, to uh, a treasure of, his, of the heart, bringeth forth good things, and an evil man, out of the evil treasure, bringeth forth evil things. And let's stop right there. Let's pray one more time and ask the Lord to bless. Lord, I do thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the message. Pray you'd help us to preach it in a way pleasing to you. Lord, I pray you'd help this, help us tonight with this subject of our words. Help us, Lord, communicate, uh, Lord, in a Christian, in a Christ-like way that we may point others to you with the words that we speak. And I pray that, Lord, our mes- this message will be a blessing to our people and we'll be obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. It's interesting tonight that we're going to continue our series on the weight of our words and the importance of a Christian conversation and having a Christian conversation. Uh, yesterday, I went to the dentist uh, for some uh, work that we've been needing to have done. And uh, yesterday, was, uh, yesterday was a bad day, to be honest with you, as they're preparing for some long-term uh, fixes there in my mouth. I kind of have a genetic problem from a child. My brother has it. My dad's had it. And it's been time to get it fixed. So yesterday, I had to have have three different teeth pulled, and uh, they went in yesterday, and my, my teeth evidently are as hard-headed as I am, and uh, they did not want to come out in one piece, and so yesterday was a rough day for us, and I wasn't even, I wasn't even sure if I was going to be able to speak on our words tonight, um, but the stitches are holding up there in the roof of our mouth. We may be a little abbreviated tonight, uh, but if you'll pray, I, I'll, I should get through the whole message, and I'm not keeping any later than we need to, but uh, we've been looking at, and we started looking at two weeks ago, we had our family night last week at the weight of our words. And we're looking at the power of our words. And we spoke last week about how technology has allowed us in the age that we live in, has allowed our words to travel around the world literally in a split second. Uh, We can go 
on social media. Uh, we can go and we can send emails, and they just go around the world uh, lightning fast at the speed of light virtually. And oftentimes, we are very careless in our words and don't realize the power that we have in our words. Now, particularly in the day and age we live in, where all of us can get our words published, uh, I joke all the time that social media made everybody a, f- a photographer and, uh, and a philosopher. We're able to go online, put pictures, and take pictures of sunsets and things that we do. We're able to put quotes, and I even see a lot of uh, my brethren who are brave enough to even quote themselves. So we can even get our words out there and go around the world. And oftentimes, we do not realize the value or even the danger that our words carry with them. And the Lord burdened us about a few messages. We started two weeks ago, uh, we looked at the work of our words, and this week we're going to look at something else uh, showing how valuable or how dangerous our words can be. Proverbs 18.21, the Bible says, life and death are in the power of the tongue. Think about that. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. I would interject there my opinion if I could and say life and death and everything in between are in the power of our tongue. And so we focused in last week or two weeks ago on the work of our words. And we looked at our words are either going to work for us or our words are going to work against us. Now what breaks my heart is how often the people of God allow their words to work against us. And what I mean by us is the cause of Christ. We have an opportunity with our words and with a platform of social media and with the opportunity of communication with cell phones and text messaging and video messaging. We have the opportunity to use our words constructively for the cause of Christ and to point others to Christ. But oftentimes our words work against us because we do not have a Christian or a Christ-like mindset when we speak the words that we do. We speak them very carelessly. Two weeks ago, we looked at Colossians 4, 6, where the Bible says that you may know how you ought to answer every man. God wants his children to know there is a way that we ought to answer every man. Everyone in this world seemingly is looking for answers. They're looking for answers to the blanks and the voids of their heart and all that's going on. I have so many people that I've spoken with in the past three and six months who are concerned about the coming of the Lord. They're a little bit frightened by all the things that seem to be happening in our world. We've had tornadoes. We've had pestilence with the virus. And I even saw this weekend on WDAM, there is going to be a dust cloud coming all the way over from Africa, and it will be seen in the upper atmospheres uh, of the sunsets, even in Mississippi. It says the sunsets are going to be a little bit oranger and a little bit more radiant and glowing because there's a dust cloud coming from Africa. All of these strange things happening in our world have got a lot of people thinking spiritually that would not normally think spiritually. What an opportunity we have to answer them with the correct answer. Everyone is out there taking advantage of the chaos, trying to promote what they think is the answer, and we as the people of God have the right answer. And I just want you to understand, as we go throughout this series, I believe the stakes are too high for the people of God to waste our words. Therefore, we must understand the weight of our words. And so tonight, we're going to look at a second opinion, if you will, or we're going to look at a second point of view on our words. And our goal is to try to walk around this issue of the weight of our words enough to where we see it from all different perspectives. In Matthew chapter 12 tonight, Christ gives us the opportunity to see just exactly how we should speak to others. Now, I want you to think about this tonight. Oftentimes, we use the phrase, I just speak my mind. 
And I told you two weeks ago, that's not an attractive thing. That's not something you should be proud of, that you just speak your mind. Because oftentimes we live in a corrupt, we do live in a corrupt body. And oftentimes, if you're not careful, you'll be speaking corrupting things. We'll talk about that next week. But understand this. As a child of God, we should be speaking and preaching God's objectives rather than our opinions. Nothing wrong with having an opinion, but we should be pointing people to Christ. What is that objective that God calls us to? 1 Timothy 2, verse 4. Write this down. The Bible says, Who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. You see, that's what God's called us to. God has called us to use our language, to use our life. This is our calling. This is why he left us here, and he gave us breath and the opportunity to speak. That's what we're called to. We are called that all men would be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. But here's what happens along the way. When we're not careful, our personal causes get in the way of our calling, There's nothing wrong with having a personal cause. What is a personal cause? It's just something that you're passionate about. It's a personal interest. There's nothing wrong with having personal interest. But we can never allow our personal interest come in the way of what God has called us to do. He has called us here to share and to present the gospel that every man would come to the saving knowledge of the truth. But oftentimes, what drowns out the calling and what we're called to speak on is our causes and our personal causes. I want to give you an example. I think everyone knows that uh, I, uh, in the fall, or when they do have, ever have football again, uh, I pull for LSU. That's the college team that I pull for. Now, before you post mean emojis, bear with me, okay? That's something I pull for. That's something I'm passionate about. You come to my office, I have a piece of this year's end zone under glass in my office. I have a piece of this year's field alive and growing in my office. It's my potted plant. I killed the bonsai, and I decided, you know what? It's hard to kill grass. I'm just going to grow grass, so I got a piece of that. Uh, In the side of my office, I have a framed jersey from the uh, 1983 Orange Bowl that Brother Morgan gave to me, and uh, I have a signed Joe Burrow football in my office. That's something I'm passionate about. There's nothing wrong with being passionate about those things. But wait a minute. I must always make sure that my cause never interferes with my calling. What does that mean? That means that I'm pers- things that I am personally passionate about should never come in the way from what God has called me and left me here to do. God would rather me take all of the LSU stuff in my office and set it on fire and burn it before it comes in the way of my calling, and that is that all men would be saved and come to a saving knowledge of the truth. Now, we got to be careful tonight, or our cause will get in the way of our calling. So what we must learn to do is to control our tongue. We must learn to control our tongue, or else our personal cause will get in the way of our calling. So how do we do that? James chapter 3 and verse number 8, the Bible says this, but the tongue can no man tame. You say, wait a minute there, you tell us right off the bat in James 3, 8, the tongue can no man tame. It is unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Now, the only way that we're going to maintain our calling is to get control over our personal causes, the things we are personally passionate about, and our personal interests. They cannot threaten or distract from our calling. So how do we control something that the Bible says no man can tame as an unruly evil full of deadly poison? I'll give you an example real quick. I'm going to give you the title of the message tonight. 
Uh, several years ago, my brother-in-law graduated from the uh, fire academy at LSU. I think it was LSU. And uh, he's a fireman. It's what he does. And I appreciate his service in that. And uh, I forget one of the days they had something for us to go up there and watch them to where they had the big fire hose. They hooked it to a fire hydrant. Uh, and then they cranked it up. I mean, just opened it up. And that fire hose is going all over the property. I mean, it's like this wicked snake just spewing water all over the yard. And it was their job. It was part of their graduation. I don't know if it was a ceremony or part of their drills for him to go out there and to catch that hose. And it's swinging around. There's a metal coupling on the end of it. It's just moving around and their belly crawling. And they would get a hold of it like a big python. And also they would throw them around. They'd get up on their feet. It would sweep them off their feet. It's spraying water everywhere. It was just a violent, it was kind of fun to watch. I'll be honest with you. Uh, But it was a violent thing to watch. I'm just glad that it wasn't me. And they kept trying to tame that fire hose. But no matter how often they jumped on it, and I think they had it turned up extra high just for the fun of it, I think if I was one of the instructors, I probably would have done the same thing as well. And they never could tame it until finally all of them came out there and all of them jumped on it and they, and they finally got, uh, got it under control. But here's what I want you to think about. Once they got out there, they were holding on to it, holding on to it, but they never could get it tamed. And finally, the sergeant over there at the hydrant, he would turn the wrench and he would turn off the pump. He would turn off the hydrant. Once he turned off the hydrant, the hose fell limp and the hose fell dead there on the ground. The only way that they were able ever to get a hold of it was to turn off the source of what was making it move and be so violent and spraying everybody dirty and trip everybody up. So they had to go to the source. And so tonight what I want to look at for a few minutes, if the Lord will allow us, is the source of our words. Look down, if you will, Matthew chapter 12, look at verse number 34. The Bible says, O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the Bible says, the mouth speaketh. You see, like those firemen, rather than wrestle with the hose, the commander went straight to the pump. He went to the source of what was causing the hose to move around violently and to cause all of the havoc, getting everybody dirty, tripping everybody up, spraying everybody with water. He just went to the source of it. Can I tell you tonight, the truth is the problem really doesn't lie in our speech. The problem lies in the source of our speech. You see, it's not our, our tongue per se that's evil. You say, you know, I'm, I'm just going to cut my tongue off. It's not our tongue that is evil. Verse 34, the Bible says it's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. If we're going to understand the weight of our words, we must go straight to the source. And so tonight, we're going to focus in on one point, as we did two weeks ago. And we're going to look at the source of our words. And I feel like maybe covering one point per Wednesday, uh, not only does that give you hope that we're not going to be extra late, but it'll help us to just hit that point, hit that point, and hit that point, and uh, we'll understand that. Matter of fact, I shared one of my favorite quotes this week with someone from Churchill. He said this, if you have an important point to make, Don't try to be subtle or clever. Use a pile driver. Hit the point once, then come back and hit it again. Then hit it a third time, a tremendous whack. And so we're going to try to hit this one point tonight, a tremendous whack as much as we can as we look at the source of our words. Now, what does the Bible say the source of our word is? What is the pump that feeds that fire hydrant of our mouth and our tongue? Well, verse 34 says it is our heart. Now, notice these words where the Bible says, out of out of. Out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth speaks. You see, our mouth gives a great estimate of what's going on in our heart. 
You know, right now we hear people spewing words, and I'm talking about politically, morally. We see the Supreme Court cases taking place, and we hear things that people say, and we say they have a foul mouth. But the truth is it's not their mouth. The Bible says it's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. And what's going on is their mouth is giving us a great estimate of what's going on in their heart. We don't have a mouth problem. We have a heart problem in America. This is why the weight of, of helping America and converting America falls back to the church because we as the church have the answer to what's wrong with the heart of our country. You know, oftentimes we have programs. We have nothing wrong with programs if they work. I believe the biblical-based ones usually do work because they're being worked through the power of God, and I can do all things through Christ. There's nothing wrong with programs. There's nothing wrong with educational initiatives. But understand this. Teaching people to say the right words does not change their heart. I believe we made that mistake years ago in the church. We started teaching our young people to say the right things without a genuine change in their heart, and we wondered why they didn't stick with it. It's because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, and you can train them to say all that you want, but they're just like a talking parrot. They're just repeating what they heard, and that's not who they are. And so tonight, we're looking at the source of our words, and the source of our words is our heart. If we want to know what's going on, we've got to go straight to the source. It's a lot like a heart calf. Uh, I think many of our people watching tonight have had a heart cath. Uh, my mom and my dad both have had a heart cath before. And that's where they go in and they, they run that little tube up there close to your heart. And they put that dye in there. And they go and they watch on that screen. And they see where all of that dye is going. And they're finding out where the blockages are at. They're finding out where you have good blood flow and so on and so forth. That's what a heart cath does. They're going straight to the heart of what pumps blood to the other parts of your body. Now, it's the same way for our words tonight. Folks, I believe so many of us, we have problems with our words, and I'm not just talking about with our mouth, I'm talking about with the words of our fingers. If you're not careful, you'll, you'll somehow divide the words of your mouth from the words of your fingers when you put a post on social media. But remember, life and death are in the power of the tongue. That's the power of our words. And our problem tonight is not a problem with our mouth. The problem is the source, and we have a heart problem. Look at Matthew chapter 15, verse 18, just a few, uh, few pages over. The Bible says this, Matthew 15, 18. Jesus says, or the Bible says here, he, uh, 15, not 14, 18. It went to 14, 15, 18. The Bible says, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart. And they defile the man. And they defile the man. What defiles the man? What comes out of his mouth that is coming from the reservoirs of his heart. I hate to tell you, I love the church. And I'm talking about the church in general. I love safe people. I love the people of God. Listen, my, listen, that's what my life is all about. But I've been very disappointed in the people of God. Not only, listen, in our country, but all over the world. When you read posts and you read our language. And it's telling us a little bit about our heart, or a lot about our heart. Years ago in school, we, and uh, I think I was in seventh grade, maybe in Bassfield, we read Edgar Allan Poe's poem, The Telltale Heart. That was Poe, right? The Telltale Heart. Now, that guy was mixed up. I do not recommend Edgar Allan Poe for bedtime stories. That is for sure. That man had issues, I assure you that. And he wrote the story, and I believe he killed the man. The story's about someone who killed the man and hit him under the the floor panels of his house, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, it's just weird, you know. Kids, hold your ears, all right? And uh, somebody comes in the house, and the the heart begins to beat under the floorboards of the house, and his heart finally gave him away. And that's what, how he got caught because they heard that heart beating underneath there. It gave him away. Can I tell you tonight, our mouth gives away our heart. You don't have to know what someone is thinking. You just hear what they're saying. 
And oftentimes with the people of God, the words that we say are not reflecting a heart that is like Christ and is Christ-like. Too often I believe we as the people of God is our heart reveals the secrets, our mouth reveals the secrets of our heart. And it reveals that we're not right with God. Because only after a while, listen, you can only suppress it for so long. You know, all of us are good actors. We learn what to do. If you're halfway astute, you learn what to say, when to say it, and how to act like a good Christian and how to do the things that good Christians do. But you'll only be able to suppress who you really are for a short amount of time. Because the Bible says sooner or later, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth's going to speak. Romans chapter 1, you're welcome to turn there or write this down. I'm going to read this for you. Romans chapter 1, we're reading about a very pagan Gentile people. When you read Romans chapter 1, it's hard not to see the United States of America. It's hard not to see the world we're living in today. Romans 1, 21, the Bible says, Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. Now listen close. The Bible says their foolish heart was darkened. Now notice what happens. The Bible says their foolish heart was darkened. So God's giving us a glimpse into the heart of these wicked people, the wicked Gentiles. Now notice the very next verse. The Bible says, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. So notice as soon as their heart went dark, the Bible says they had a profession what they professed, they professed themselves to be wise. The Bible says they became fools. And you go back into Romans 1 and continue reading the depths of sin these people go off into. I mean, the very deepest, darkest depths of the, sin, uh, of the sin pit they go down into. Why? It all began with a heart that was darkened. Remember this, their profession reflected their possession. Their profession reflected their possession. You say, what does that mean? Well, they possessed a dark heart, and therefore their profession, the Bible says, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. So notice what they possessed affected what they professed, and I believe the same is true for us today as the church. Can I ask you this? Now, I know we're going to keep on social media just for a few minutes, but it's your, it's your day-to-day conversations at work. Uh, it's whether or not you live a life that's glad, as we spoke of earlier in the songs that we sang, because we've been set free. What does our conversation say that we possess? I mean, do we possess a hope that is steadfast and sure? If you're saved, that you do. Do you possess a home in heaven? Listen, are you an heir and joint heir with Jesus Christ? We possess that. But does our possession, is it reflected in our profession? Can you tell? Do they line up? In Romans chapter 1, they lined up with darkness, and I fear that our profession does not line up with what we say we possess. We're people of hope, we're people of joy, we're people of truth, and oftentimes we're more, we're more listen, we're more uh, fired up and we're more interested in sharing our opinion than fulfilling God's objective. Remember in John chapter 4, the woman at the well when she was saved, what did she do? Well, after she got saved, she went into town. And she told the townspeople, come see, come see. Now, what was she doing by going and getting the townspeople to come and meet Christ? Here's what she was doing. Watch, her profession was matching what she now possessed. They lined up. What she was saying was a reflection of what was going on in her heart. And we as the people of God, we love talking about what happens in our heart. But oftentimes, our conversation 
both in word and in post, does not match what we say that we possess. I think social media is a great platform. I really do. It's a great opportunity to share the gospel, a great opportunity to share the goodness of God. But if you're not careful, you'll get out there in our conversations on social media or our conversations in public, and what will happen is our personal causes will drown out our calling and what God has left us here to do. So go to the source. What's the source in verse 34? The Bible says, O generation of vipers, how can ye being evil speak good? Jesus says it doesn't line up. You're evil, how can you speak good? No, your profession and your possession should line up. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Look at verse 35. The Bible says, a good man, out of the good measure of the heart, bringeth forth good thing. Notice those words, good, good, good. They all line up. But it goes on to say, an evil man, out of the evil treasure, bringeth forth evil things. You see, what's going on in here is going to be reflected in what comes out here. You know, you don't have to tell me what you believe. After a while, you're going to just hear it in your conversation. It's going to be in your spirit. It's going to come out of the abundance of our heart. This is why Proverbs chapter 15, verse 28, the Bible says, The heart of the righteous studieth to answer. Now watch this verse. The heart of the righteousness. Righteousness is not something we put on on the outside. It's something that happens on the inside and then overflows on the outside, all right? It's not a costume that we put on. Righteousness is in here. In Proverbs 15, 28, the Bible says, the heart of the righteous studieth to answer. That means what comes out of his mouth is a reflection of the heart, which is righteous. You know, I think all of us are probably guilty of that foot-in-mouth disease. I don't know if I've ever told this story here before, and it's a little bit embarrassing, but uh, sometimes embarrassing yourself will help drive home a point. My wife's cringing right now because she's wondering if this story has anything to do with her. She's not even looking at me. You can't see her, but she's not even looking at me right now because she's worried about what is he about to say. Years ago, my dad had the chicken pox. He was in his 40s. And uh, I got to preach for him, I don't know, probably, uh, probably about a month maybe until they said he was no longer contagious. And uh, I preached Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night at the church he was pastoring. And uh, he was getting ready to come back. I think it was about, I was preaching the last Wednesday and he was going to come back on that next Sunday morning. And uh, I asked him before I left the church, before I left for, for church, you ready to get back? He says, yeah, I've got cabin fever. I'm tired of being stuck up in this house. So I get up behind the pulpit, and uh, I says, look, Dad's looking forward to getting, uh, getting out of here, uh, getting back up here to church. And somehow, uh, the house became a shack. And being stuck in the house became a shack. And I said, Dad's just tired of being shacked up at the house. As soon as I said those words, I could see them right over here. They're right out of my mouth, and I was trying to reel them in. One of my dad's men is standing, sitting here on the front row, and I immediately look down at him, and he's shaking his head. As a 19-year-old kid, I remember that uh, my dad's going to kill me. I'm thinking I'm going to die. And so I try to start reeling the words back in. As I'm trying to reel the words back in, they get even more jumbled up, Brother Michael. It's, it's horrific. And finally, one of our men on the front row just looked up, and he says, just stop. Just Stop. It was rough. It was rough. We all have that tendency to put our foot in our mouth. But notice, spiritually, this can be devastating. If we go out there and we speak our opinions rather than speak of the objective of God, we're going to go out there and put our spiritual foot in our mouth. And rather than point men and women to Christ, we're going to point them away from Christ. My mouth has gotten me in trouble so many times. It reminds me of the story of the talkative turtle. 
there was this turtle who wanted to go see Hawaii. And so he talked to uh, two seagulls into putting a stretch of rope between their beaks. And he says, look, if you'll put a stretch of rope in, in your mouth and the other end in your mouth, I'll bite hold of the rope. And if you fly, uh, you can carry me all the way to Hawaii. And so the seagulls, they must have been Christian seagulls because they agreed to do that. And uh, so he's biting on and they're flying and they're flying. And he's high above the ocean. They fly over a cruise ship. And so people look up and they see the birds flying with the rope between them and the turtle clamped down with his mouth on the rope. Somebody looks up at the bird and says, that is so ingenious. Whose idea was that? And the turtle just swelled up with pride, and he says, I did. And when he spoke those words, he turned loose of the robe and fell into the ocean and was probably devoured by a shark. Here's what we must see tonight. Be careful. Don't allow your mouth to get you in trouble. It's why the Bible says that the heart of the righteous study to answer. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 17, he that speaketh truth, the Bible says, showeth forth righteousness. That means our mouth is showing forth what's going on in our heart and what should be going on in the people of God's heart is righteousness. That's what our mouth should be showing. That's why verse 34 and verse 35 use the words out of. What's going on in here is going to be reflected in what comes out of here. And sadly, so often the people of God, in the midst of all the chaos that we're, that's going on in our world, the people of God are wasting our words. Why? Because there's something wrong at the source. And our words are showing that our hearts are not right with God. And we're hearing more about our causes than we are our calling, what God left us here to do. So we see the source of our speech is our heart. The source of what we say comes out of our heart. Now, does this help us understand a little bit better what Proverbs 4.23 says? The Bible says to keep thine heart for what? For out of it, out of it come the issues of life. So notice, in order for us to keep our tongue, we must learn to keep our heart because out of it come the issues of life. And if we're going to keep our tongue, we must learn to keep our heart. That's why the devil wants our heart so bad. That's why the devil fights and claws to keep us away from the word of God. That's why the devil tries to keep us from the house of God. Why? Because if God gets our heart out of the abundance of that heart, there are words that are going to point men and women to Christ. But if God doesn't get our heart... We allow our heart to be parted out like a spiritual chop shop to the devil. He's going to take it, and he's going to use the heart for his advantage. So tonight, how do we keep our heart? How do we keep our heart? The only way that we can keep our tongue that's that raging fire that possesses the power of life and death, blessing and cursing, how do we keep our tongue? We must learn to keep our heart. But how do we keep our heart? Notice verse 34, the Bible uses this word, out of the abundance of of the heart. The Bible says the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The abundance, you look up the word abundance, it means that which fills the heart. That which fills the heart. You see, the way that we keep our heart, the devil wants to try to fill it with his stuff. Because the devil knows if he can keep filling it, keep filling it, keep filling it. Remember, garbage in, garbage out. Good things in, good things out. The devil knows if he can just keep filling our heart, that out of the abundance of what he's filling it up with, sooner or later it's going to come out in our life. 
Now, how do we keep our heart? Well, the way that we keep our heart is we don't allow the devil to deposit anything over on the inside of it. This is why as a child of God, that's what biblical separation comes in. We separate from things that are going to drop and drop and drop things into our heart, and it seems like a minuscule thing to us. I can go out with them. I can watch that. I can listen to that. But what's happening is drip by drip by drip by drip, our heart is filling. It becomes an abundance. And it may not happen the first time, the second time, or the third time, but I assure you, it's going in, it's going in, it's going in. And sooner or later, out of the abundance of the heart, our mouth speaks. This is why I encouraged you last Wednesday night at the end of our family night. uh, Be careful what you dwell on. On the news, on social media, people you hang around, that's why we have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness. Because every time that we get around that or listen to that or watch that, things are being drip, drip, drip into our heart. And after a while, the reservoir fills up, and it overflows. And where does it overflow? It comes out of our mouth. It goes on our social media page. And when you read sometimes what's on our social media page, that is not the heart of Christ. And our, what we say and what we speak and what we type and what we post and what we comment should reflect the heart of Christ, and it should reflect the objective of God, that all men would be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Several years ago, we were uh, walking down the hallway of our church, and we got almost to the sanctuary door, and we noticed the floor was very, very wet. Couldn't figure out what was going on because there's not a water fountain there. There's not a faucet or a sink or anything there. And so we began to look and try to figure out what was happening. And on the other side of the wall where the water was at, uh, we found that the hot water heater was stored in that room. And evidently someone had come in and bumped the thermostat on the, uh, the gas hot water heater that was there and turned it up really hot. And although we didn't know it, when they put the, uh, the mop bucket in there, it kind of dialed that dial around, and it started to get hotter. And we didn't know, we don't know when it happened, but it was happening on the inside all the same, and it just kept heating up and heating up and heating up. Finally, sometime during the night on Saturday, it got so hot, the water began to spew out of what's called the pop-off valve on the top. It's a safety device. It's a pressure release on the top of that hot water heater. But what was coming out of that pop-off valve is what had built up on the inside. It took a little while to get heated up and get hot enough, but it got hot enough where sooner or later, and it came out of that pop-off valve. It's going all over the floor, threatening to ruin the sheetrock, threatening to ruin the floor. Why? Because little by little, it just heated up until it overflowed on the outside. This is the way our heart is tonight. If we're not careful... We think we're spiritual supermen and women and we can dabble in sin and we can do like Lot, read about last week. We can go and we can get close to Sodom. I'm not moving in there. I'm not going to do what they're doing, but I'm going to hang around those people. By the way, it's not just personal fellowship. It's what we watch on television, what we watch online, what we listen to on our radio. That's fellowship all the time. Listen, good fellowship, bad fellowship, it is depositing into our heart. Little by little, it's building up, it's building up. You say, well, I went out to that party, I went out to that, that joint or that club, wherever it was that I went, I watched this, I listened to this, nothing happened. See, I'm okay. But we don't realize is it's depositing and it's slowly building up and building up until sooner or later out of the abundance of our heart. You see, our heart is the source of what we speak. And the reason we should keep our hearts is because after a while, what we fill our heart with is going to overflow on the outside. 
And we can tell the world what's in our heart all day long. We can tell them, in my heart's the love of God. In my heart's the joy of the Lord. But I promise you, all they have to do is listen to us speak about things other than God, and they can tell you what's in your heart. Oftentimes we have missionaries call and, and want to come to our church and always love taking on new missionaries. I wish we could take on all of them, but we can't. And uh, sometimes we just have to tell them to wait a little while until we have room to bring another one on board. And uh, the way we select the missionaries who come for our conference, we pray about it. We kind of get a list of those who call throughout the year. And then we pray over that list and try to pick three or four people that the Lord leads us to. And let me tell you, oftentimes the people the Lord leads me to, and we pick missionaries, we tell you who they are. There are people, when I talk to them on the phone about their ministry and what God's calling them to do, I can see their ministry by listening to them speak. I can see what they're talking about. Now, I don't really get to see it with my eyes until they come here and give their presentation, but I want to tell you, I can hear their calling. They're excited about it. They're not just getting on the phone, hey, Brother Andrews, I'm just trying to scrape together a few dollars to go down to wherever and maybe see a few people say, I don't know, we're just going to throw it against the wall and see what sticks. No, you hear, you hear folks like the Shields. Uh, a good friend of mine talked to Josh Sullivan from South Africa this week, and uh, when they get up behind the pulpit or you talk to them on the phone about their ministry, you can just hear it. You can hear their calling. It comes out and all that they say. And as I thought about that today, here's where the Holy Spirit brought it home for me. I wonder when people hear me talk, can they hear my calling? We try to tell them with our bracelets and our bumper stickers and our Christian t-shirts who we are and what we believe and why this church is here. But you know, they can hear it. They can hear it in the things we talk about, the way we talk about, the passion that we talk about, what God's called us to. They can tell. And when they come and they show their, their, the missionaries show their video, I finally see what I could already hear in their voice. It's their calling. Now, folks, I believe as the people of God, what we say and how we say it should reflect our calling. But it's not something we can mechanically learn to repeat. It's not something we can just learn the right things to say at the right times. It's got to be something that's in here. We're speaking with uh, one, of the, one of the former pastors here, Brother George, today at lunch after, uh, by the time, Arnett's funeral. And we're sitting there talking about preaching, talking about speech class. And when I was in college, I didn't like speech class. I had to give a speech on scuba diving one time. And I enjoy scuba diving, but it's not like something I'm jumping up and down about. And uh, my speech teacher forgot to show up the night of my speech. He thought all the students had given theirs, and I called him on the phone, and I says, Dr. So-and-so, uh, I'm here at class, and there's no one here. He says, well, didn't all of you give your speech? And I said, no. He goes, would you take a B? I said, yes. And so I just took a B, and I have to give my speech. The reason I didn't like giving a speech is because I'm, I'm giving a book report on something, or I'm talking about English lit. No offense to you English lit people, but it's just hard for me to get passionate about that. But man, when you're preaching the word of God and God deposits something in the mailbox of your heart, it's something you're passionate about and excited about. It's something God's calling you to do and it ought to come out. And that's the way the people of God ought to be. Our great objective is to point men and women to Christ that they will come to the knowledge of the truth. And I want to tell you something. You don't have to be talking about churchy things for people to be able to see your heart. They hear it. They hear it. Not only in what we say, but they hear it in how we say it. And so tonight, if we, the church, are going to have a Christian conversation, I'm not just talking about talking about church things. If we're going to have a conversation where people can tell what's going on in our heart, we've got to go to the source of our words. And the source of our words is our heart. 
And I just want to ask you this tonight. I hope you can be honest with yourself. You know, I put on a pair of pants the other day, Brother Michael, that's a little big for me. And I know this pair of pants is a little big for me. When I put them on, I was like, oh, I must be losing weight. But I knew in my heart that those were already big. And I could have comforted myself and pretended, oh, that feels great. I'm losing weight. But I had to be honest with myself. And I knew that was not the case. I haven't lost any weight. And after that fried chicken at the uh, lunch today, I probably have gained a little bit. We've got to be honest with ourselves. And can I ask you this? Could you be honest with yourself and just listen to what you say and how you say it? When, you, when we finish tonight, don't do it during service. Go home and pull up your Facebook and scroll through your post and just listen to what you've said. And see, does what you say and what you've professed on social media, what you profess to your coworkers, what you profess to those in your neighborhood and behind closed doors of your family, what you profess, does it match what you say that you possess? Because I assure you, if they don't line up, you're going to have a very hard time convincing anybody to accept what you say you have. Because out of the abundance of the heart, our mouth speaks. And I believe tonight, if we would just be honest, don't get mad at me, let's get mad at ourselves. If we just be honest, we would see that oftentimes our speech betrays us. And our speech is a telltale heart that we are not right with God. Because more often than not, our opinions are what we are spewing out rather than the objective of God, which points men and women to Christ. And so tonight, I pray as a church, we will, as David, be willing to go to God and say, search me, O God, and know my heart. Say, God, the world is all ears right now. The world is listening right now. I mean, I have people asking me about salvation. I have people asking me about the Lord returning. I mean, people right now, they're listening intently for the answer that we ought to be giving them. But we're not giving them the right answer. Why? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And right now, our hearts are not right with God. So would you be willing tonight to go before an almighty God and say, search me, O God, and know my heart. And God, if my heart is not what it needs to be, will you show me? Will you show me where my cause is drowning out my calling? Will you show me tonight where my opinion is drowning out your objective? And God, if you'll put your finger on it, I'll get my personal interests back in the box where they belong. And I'll make sure that your calling is what rings out loud and clear in a world that right now is desperately needing to hear the answer of the hope that we say that we have. Our heads are bowed tonight and our eyes are closed.